Neuner Neutzik Good evening, everybody. This is uh, Sky Shower, episode 99. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, I think we have a fun evening set for you here. Um, we're going to start off with our scotch, which is Kilcomen Sonig. I think that's how you pronounce that, uh, the area that it's from. And then uh, we're going to do our shout-outs and get it together. It's followed by Parkway Bar and Grill. Our topic this evening is going to be a TV review of The Peacemaker. And uh, for those of you who uh, do watch this, if you do like our content, please like, share, and subscribe. And also, please leave some comments down below. And uh, we do like getting those comments, and uh, we definitely will uh, reply back to them. And uh, any suggestions are appreciated. All right, as Noah mentioned, this week he has selected for us the Keith Loman Sanig. Yeah, I guess so. Nailed it. <laughs> Another Isla single malt scotch whiskey. Uh, and the, you know, there's some very interesting things about this distillery. Some exciting things, as a matter of fact. Um, one being that this distillery did not open up until 2005. Um, and that meant it had been 124 years since the previous distillery, the most previous distillery had opened. So 125 years later, Keith Coleman uh, comes in to play and creates a distillery uh, and their focus is to do it uh, the uh, their old farm style so they have a farm and i believe it's sitting on 2300 acres that they farm that's a lot of acreage 400 of which they use for barley and that is how they have uh well i i understand the only 100 percent um, Isla single malt scotch whiskey where 100% of the barley is grown there and everything else is completed there um, and that's quite a rarity that's pretty interesting uh, you know I wish uh, to say I was related more closely but the Wills family did establish <laughs> this distillery in 2005 um, it is nestled upon the western side of Isla now this is the side of the island that gets beaten and battered by the Atlantic Ocean um, so it definitely takes some waves it gets some different situations where the weather beats it um, but it also is protected in other ways However, this, as we have learned before, is one of the reasons that the peat that they use to make this scotch whiskey is so flavorful. That water, the mist coming over the... Uh, island hills and cliffs to get into the soil where the peat is grown. Yeah, so you're mentioning like they do like an old traditional way, which is called floor matting. It's a it's a traditional method uh, for preparing the barley for use uh, with the production of the of the Scotch whiskey, um, and it, it's actually yeah, it takes a, a lot longer time for uh, the barley to germinate and get prepared for uh, for the for the Scotch making. And it also takes a lot of room. So you saying like how many acreage that they have, the amount that they use for uh, growing the barley, and then also they have to have that extra room there to uh, do this floor matting here. Um, and the, and the, the barley, when it germinates, uh, it's dried over uh, peat fire. 
uh, I think what you're kind of mentioning there. Uh, but really hear what it's saying. I'm just trying to sum up this like this page here. But um, it says using formatting method takes more time, space, and labor compared to modern day processes of the industrial industrial maltings. And I think uh, another thing I read here is that a lot of like uh, Scotch connoisseurs, this is kind of like one of their new favorite favorites. And I think that's pro probably one of the reasons why, because with that extra like. Um, time to make this and uh i guess uh manpower if you if you want to say that because you're it's more hands-on to do this formatting i think you're probably getting a lot more flavors out of it i have no doubt uh one of the fun facts about this here kilcomen ranch or farm and distillery is that they do have a lot of uh, animals that eat some of their ultimately waste products so they do less damage um but they also have to deal with 50,000 migratory geese each and every oh, year. Man. <laughs> God damn, geese, man. Geese are nice. Dude, geese are nasty. They're a pain in the butt. And they come in and they have to wait to sow their barley until the geese leave. Otherwise, they'll eat all the damn seeds. <laughs> <laughs> So they wait for these 50,000 geese to migrate on um, and then they plant the barley. So it's a very rapid process as far as everything has to be timed. And these birds get to dictate it, man. These are like <laughs> the dinosaurs on our planet having a say in how good or not so great the scotch may be for that year. Um, ultimately, Keith Coleman has done a great job figuring out they wait for the geese to leave. They sow the soil. Uh, they get that barley growing in early summer it grows through the summer and then early autumn it is harvest time i wonder if that's because like i know they started in 2005 but their production really didn't start happening until 2007 yeah. i wonder if that those first two years is a little bit of a learning process about about the geese first the barley <laughs> <laughs> damn birds right um I do like to mention about the tours. Uh, Kilcoman does uh, three classic tours and one limited tour. The classic tour is a one-hour uh, tour where they do give you uh, two drams to drink at the end. And then they have a limited tour, which is uh, two hours long. And you do get uh, four tastings. And you uh, and one of those tastings, or I think, uh, or it might be another dram. I wasn't quite sure. Uh, but you do it on the floor where they do the malting at. The floor malting so that's kind of cool um the pricing for the classics is uh twelve dollars and forty cents and if you can bring someone who's under the age of 18 along with you for that tour uh however if you are uh doing the limited tour i believe that's 18 and older and that price is about 43 dollars and 36 cents all right worth every penny Exactly. So uh, <laughs> unless you got anything else, let's uh, open up this bad boy. No, I'm excited to try this scotch. And I think you mentioned something that is very key as the world continues to adapt and it always has and it always will. One of the things that will happen is whether or not we have an old world style scotch or something new, there will be pieces that bring back it, it bring it back to a, a different level of craftsmanship. Now, sometimes 
good or bad, that's science. Science can create the consistent brewery or distillery or uh, method to get that perfect dram. Um, other times it is, you know what, it's not going to be the same every year. And I think we've heard this from some distilleries. Sounds like Kilcoman is definitely one of them, um, where they're going to do it the old way and they're going to get the best product they can each and every time. But at the end of the day, they know what went into it. You know, when you're talking about the old way, the one, the one kind of, the one, the one scotch that comes to mind for me is the Forest by Glen Marangi. It's damn good scotch. The Telephorce, yeah, <laughs> it is. Hopefully this will be, uh, I don't know if it'll be anywhere near as good, but hopefully I'm it will be nice. I imagine it will be as good. I imagine it will be very different. More peaty, more smoky, a little less eucalyptus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the box. Uh, handsome. This is a great color purple. I, uh, I agree. I think the purple with the black and the gold. It all, it all, and the white there, it all goes, goes great. It is well done, and it is not some cheap, flimsy cardboard. I'm not saying you're spending a hundred dollars on this box; that would be foolish. But they didn't throw it into a paper bag, and I like that. The Ooh, bottle itself, look at that color. yeah, that is a great color. Um, also, well done. Looks respectable handsome just from looks alone would i take it to a poker night hell yeah it's a little bit shorter and stouter so less likely to fall over when i hit the table with my throwing <laughs> my cards down saying i won uh hey, give that man his money <laughs> that's right give that man his money uh also i just think it's great would i take this to i mean depending on the flavor here would i take this to share with some connoisseurs based on looks alone yeah I would. And then would I take this to a formal event? Again, I'm going to say yes. And part of the reason I'm going to say that is I'm going to match my pocket square or my tie with this label. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's taste it before we uh, start deeming it's uh, <laughs> worthy of a black tie affair. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be worthy. I think the first step here is whether or not it's a wood top. Wood and top. it is. <laughs> Great foil, wood top. I can uh, tell by the looks of it. We are not going to be disappointed by this cork. Oh, man. Every walrus loves a tight seal. Hmm? Solid cork in a solid wood top. This is something that I think is also important when we talk about old ways. It's uh, more about appreciating every aspect and a piece of that is art so whether or not again you've got the perfect scientific barley uh, which i imagine they've dealt with some bad years with weather alone on their farm um they're taking those extra measures to make sure they're putting their stamp on it literally their stamp on the top of the wooden topper with the cork and that is impressive to me that's someone who appreciates themselves and their product that much more. Oh, just got to say, it's a good color. It is a nice color. <laughs> All right. Cheers and on to our work speed.
So the other day I caught this movie called Good Will Hunting. I'm sure you've seen the movie. Um, it's one of my favorite, one of my all time favorites, but there's a scene in there where uh, Robin Williams is talking to, uh, oh man, I just forgot the guy's Matt name. Damon. Matt Damon. And he's talking about his wife. Mm. And he's saying like how, you know, it's the uh, the quirks or the imperfections of his wife that make her unique. And that's what makes her special. And, you know, when we, and looking at like what we were just talking about earlier before we started our tasting of this Kill Cohen is that, there's a there is a uh, scientific perfection, right? Uh, with AI and machinery and stuff <laughs> like that, they can like break everything down to the most minute details to give you what it's supposed to be the perfect scotch. But when you look at craftsmanship, it's this is where the imperfections actually becomes the perfection. And and it kind of reminded me of that quote from uh, Goodwill Hunting because. This scotch, I, I dig it. I really do. <laughs> I think it's a great scotch, and and I kind of think that that uh, that quote kind of goes along with it because you know they are using craftsmanship to to go through that form uh, matting of it. Uh, it takes that extra bit of time, a little bit more like hands on approach, more of the traditional approach. And I think that's you're getting like some of these like nuances that you may not have gotten from like an AI machine type of uh, process. And when I look at this here, uh, this has a great color. I mean, as you as you and I both know, and anyone who, who's watched <laughs> us, uh, we like the darker colored scotches. And this has a really nice dark uh, amber to it. Uh, you know, it's like a dark brassy amber color, you know, I like it. I really dig it. It kind of almost reminds me a lot of the, the McAllen edition number six mm. and the color there. And surprisingly enough, I had to ask you like what the ABV was on this and it's 46%. And I am so surprised <laughs> because it didn't burn my nor my nose hairs off when I first smelled it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you do something like forty six percent or fifty, or you get close to like you know the cask strength stuff. You're you kind of feel like woo. You know, when you smell it, sometimes you're like, well, that's that has alcohol burn. But this one, I didn't get that. Um, now for the aroma, I this is what I'm getting here, um, especially like when we first open it up, and that and it, and it has changed a little bit throughout uh, throughout its opening, but. Um, initially on my, on the aroma here, I got earthy and being that I'm a big, huge, like, uh, French wine drinker, like I definitely love my Bordeaux. Uh, this gave me like that nice, like earthy tones that you get from a good Bordeaux. So you get that kind of like the musky, earthy, mossy kind of flavor with it and the smell. But then there's also, there's also, you're picking up that ash or that smoke from when they uh, when they dry that over that uh, the barley over that uh, that that peat, and so so you get these really nice earth tones with some ash or smoke, and then after that after that kind of calms down a little bit, I'm getting hints of coffee, and then you also get the peat, and you're getting like some hints of sweetness there too on the nose which I'm kind of going like with uh, white grapes 
maybe maybe like some more citrusy like a pineapple but definitely white grapes now for my palate <laughs> here i'm definitely picking up some more of that fruity sweetness i'm getting like hints of peach with pineapple followed up with some dark chocolate and raisin and then mm-hmm. right there you're mm-hmm. starting to like on that at least for me near the end of uh my mid going into my back palate for the finish i start getting some black pepper or something kind of spicy there and then the finish um i have as long lingering smoky peat with oak and then after that kind of like ceases that that long smoky peaty oak all of a sudden i get like another dash of dark chocolate and i'm digging this i am so digging this will i take it to a poker game yeah i think you i think you can hold up at the poker game because of that 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 smoky ashy i think it'll hold up all the smoke uh, with a cigar i think it might even hit uh might complement it very well it won't it won't refresh your palate <laughs> but i think it will complement it uh would i take it to like a like a normal like event yes i definitely would and yes uh, I thought, you know, I was saying like, hey, let's let's hold your horses here. Let's don't like, let's not, let's not say we take it to a black tie uh, event until we act, until we actually try it. Yeah, you know, you're right. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think you you you, uh, uh, you are definitely on target there. I think you take this to a, a nice uh, black tie affair. Um, like the bottle, the way it's designed, the 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 packaging is decent. The bottle uh, is classy enough. Uh, that it's not going to disappoint you. The label's not falling off or anything. You feel like that. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is and this is a really great price point because I think it's like right around the seventy dollar mark. Which, uh, depending on where you go, is about what last week's Bowmore was. Yeah, and that's where he's talking about the label falling off. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely. If you if you come across this one, I definitely say pick it up for seventy dollars. I don't think it'll disappoint you. I don't think so either. Um, I am extremely pleasantly surprised. And, you know, when we go on dates, uh, the last thing you're ever supposed to do, right, is compare one date to the next. Well, my last date was la, 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 la. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. And I'm going to say last week, I thought the Bowmore during the episode was actually uh, fairly impressive. And it was decent. On a scale of 1 to 10 after this date so far, this is a 10, and the Bowmore sitting around the 3 range. Um, that's the first date I've ever been on in my life below a 5. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to go there. First of all, the one thing Bowmore had going for it is his clothes were falling off, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but this cute Coleman, and I apologize, Kyle Coleman, if I'm pronouncing that name repeatedly incorrectly, um, is fantastic. On the eye, the color to me is a, uh, a brass, a deep brass, medium copper, and I love that. That is something, and I think to me the word remains sensual about a scotch with a color like this. And it's not that the other lighter scotches aren't as great or more flavorful in some ways, um, but this is fantastic on the nose for me. Um, and this one is a is so amazingly complex. I did 
find it interesting because I do get hints of heather and clove at the front, but typically when I get those, I also get honey and I got no honey. Um, this just went straight from uh, those basic honey smells without the honey to orange peel, pear, and then um, a hint of peach and then the peat and smoke. But the peat and smoke was super mild, which is surprising because the parts per million for uh, peat in this scotch is 50 parts per million. That's not super high, but it's also not super low. Um, where this scotch really shines, however, once you've put an eye on it and once you've smelled it, uh, is the palate. And here it just comes alive. It's like when you sit down at the dinner table and you're having that great conversation. Um, doesn't matter if this is the first date or the 100th date, it is fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so with that, I get, and this is interesting because at first I didn't, uh, but as it sat for a little bit, I get ripe plum, raisin for a second. What I love then that pops is the red cherry. Um, there is a hint of citrus in there. And you mentioned you couldn't pinpoint whether it was pineapple or something else. I think it's a hint of just, just a baby hint of orange to me. Um, again, mild smoke toffee and then you mentioned this as well the chocolate and that chocolate pops at just the right time you guys have got to imagine i am a chocolate covered cherry kind of guy and this has both flavors in the palate and then it leads to a strong finish and not just a strong finish um, in the finish you get all of those same flavors you get the different fruits um, the peat, the smoke, um, that lost, lasting sweetness. But in there is brown sugar, um, the red cherry. Again, mild peat and smoke um, and chocolate. And none of them overpower the other. It's almost like this was engineered because it's flawless, as uh, he said in uh, your movie. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Are you uh, still keeping with everything you said before oh, man. we open it up? Um, I, I will say, as I continue to taste and enjoy this, it just continues to build. You mentioned a comparison to the McAllen edition number six. I, I think you're not far off. Um, this has some amazing flavors in there would i take it to a poker game absolutely especially if there's anybody there that i care about if there's nobody there i care about i'm taking the other bottle of bow more <laughs> because that's a cheap date um but would i take this to friends connoisseurs drinks a party yes absolutely would i take this to a semi-formal or formal event yes absolutely and i am going to make it shine i'm going to take the time and i'm going to look at the bottle and say hey no 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 put that Put that little glass down. No, no. Get the one with the gold rim. You got to match the bottle here. <laughs> you know what I would do, too? I know this is kind of classless. Maybe but, it's not. <laughs> but if I was at a party, like, let's say, like, a housewarming party or whatever, and I brought this over where everyone's, like, drinking from the bottles, if someone didn't finish this bottle, I'm taking it home oh, with me. Not only that, it's probably the only one I'm drinking. I might <laughs> taste of the others. It's the one I'm drinking, and they are heavy pours. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for our shout outs oh man i uh gotta keep giving those shout outs and um you know 
my shout out this time goes to everyone who shows up for work, especially if you're on time. But even if you're a few minutes late, I don't even care about that. Show up for work. Why? Because it makes me continue to believe in humanity. Otherwise, just like in our episode last week where you talk about artificial intelligence and robots starting to take over the world, um, you guys are the ones that make me believe we have a place. Now, for those of you uh, that call out or don't show up or are consistently late by tremendous amounts, that is my get it together because you are showing the reason that robots should literally replace you. Um, and then especially when you call and you ask if you can pick up extra shit or get extra hours. Uh, I gave you the hours. You didn't show up when I needed you. You killed your team. I am not okay with this. Um, and I don't even take it personal against me. It's not that I had to work harder, which in most cases I might. It's that I look at my team and they're all having to bust their butts because somebody else um, who knew they weren't going to be there didn't take the time um, and didn't deliver the respect to their peers. I'm going to keep it on the family. <laughs> <laughs> So as we as we talked about like the last few weeks, like uh, first my uncle uh, had cancer, mm -hmm. uh, then he went to go get treatment, and then he like went on to uh, hospice all fairly within like the last like month and a half or so, and then he passed away. But uh, throughout this whole process, um, a group of my cousins uh, had started up a uh, a group text. Oh, that's cool. And we've we've been keeping it going. Uh, so even like uh, even like you know right out you know. Now that my uncle's passed away and some of the things have already been, uh, I guess, uh, worked out, I guess, um, we've kept this uh, group chat going. And so I just want to kind of give them a shout out for, for the positive vibes and all that stuff and uh, keeping up that communication, which um, over a while we didn't, like a lot of us haven't talked to each other in a long time. So it's been kind of nice to rekindle some of those connections. I only remember meeting your Uncle Kenny once. Um and I saw him a few times over that that time, the weekend, basically, with your uh, mom's event. And with that, I actually thought the guy was cool as hell. So <laughs> I imagine that for yourself and your cousins, you probably also all had like experiences where he was I think a good guy, and again, I am being very one-sided. That's one sip of a, a scotch, but um, from what I gather and how he treated people, and you can tell almost everything you need to know about someone by how they treat people that they know and also people that they don't know, and he treated everyone wonderfully. And so uh, maybe that's part of that rekindling is that you guys all remember, man, this was a good guy. I know for a lot of us, we all, a lot of us thought uh, or had the same opinion that he was our favorite uncle, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's kind of weird to kind of say like, who's your favorite uncle or, or not. Um, you know, as you get older, it's not really like someone is your favorite versus someone else isn't. It's just like, uh, you have a different love for that person, equal amounts of love, but just differently because of your interactions with them. Uh, any get it togethers. Oh man, that was, I, I kind of tied them together. My get it together was that one with attendance, man, for all the okay. people who make robots worthy of replacing them. <laughs> all right. So I have uh, two get it together. <laughs> so my first get it together, I'm not really sure if it's uh, a get it together for me or get it together for the Colorado uh, state government or get it together for uh, Colorado uh, residents. But uh, in January oh, 1st. Yes, uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> January 1st, they uh, passed a law saying that you had to pay for pay, uh, plastic bags or paper bags. Um, so this evening, 
I was over at uh, CVS and there's like a, I was in the self checkout, which is like actually right next to like where you pay for your normal person. You know, like if you pay through, uh, through the clerk, and the clerk was like sitting there. So I asked the clerk, I'm like, do people really like pay for their bags or do they just like hit zero and still, and still, uh, and still take the bag? And she's like, well, I think a lot of people just uh, hit zero and still take the bag. <laughs> so here's the question. Like how, how does like, and maybe this is where this get together goes. I mean, it's a dumb law. So I think, in my opinion, it's a dumb law. So I think uh, the government should get it together and, and remove this uh, asinine uh, uh, law. But if they're not, then the question is, how do you track these these bags on these like self checkout things? It, and and should should people get it together on that or not? I have no idea. But I think all around, it's a losing uh, it's it's a losing battle some, somewhere down the line. I think ultimately they won just because they have in January twenty first or January first of twenty twenty four next year zero bags. The only uh, ones that are, the only ones that are allowed are recycled paper bags, and there has to be a fee for that. Yet no one knows what that fee is. But the other side of this law that's really backwards is the law only applies to basically grocery stores. Now I say basically some convenience stores are grocery stores as well. However, a lot of other establishments have been like, we know how to make some money. We're charging 10 cents for all of our bags saying it's state law when for them, it is not state law. So with grocery stores, right? They're talking about like how plastic bags, how you really need them. That, like, still that one place you should get a bag. <laughs> how come they're not charging 10 cents a bag for like, when you put the plastic bags for your like vegetables and stuff? Ah, really good question. So I actually had a conversation with someone about that earlier today. And my question was, huh, what about all the ship from store? What about Amazon, Walmart, Target, all these companies who ship products and put it in a plastic bag? Are the the fees being charged there? The answer is no. It's only literally in the grocery so, stores and convenience stores that sell groceries. So is this a way to like... Uh, cut out the clerk's jobs and, and get force people to order things online? Uh, you could almost look at it the other way because I think it's coming down the pipeline. Um, the biggest problem right now is if you order something from Walmart and you live in Denver, Colorado, that item more likely than not is coming from a state other than Colorado. And if it's a movie, it's probably coming from Tennessee. I don't know why. They must have a huge distribution center there. <laughs> But with that, if Tennessee doesn't have the same law, that's where the bag came from. So you're not impacting it at the same level. Or maybe there's some money in some deep pockets in the likes of Amazon who didn't want to deal with it. Who knows? All right. And then my other get it together is going to be to the uh, music industry. Uh-oh. Or those who support the music industry. Because uh, Alanis Morissette just, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, has been kind of out in the news again. But Alanis Morissette has talked again? about how... Uh, how the uh, music industry is uh, is um, littered, I guess, with a bunch of uh, uh, like with child sex trafficking and uh, and pedophilia and that type of stuff. Weird. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those people who, like, you know, I get it. You know, music is good. That's just part of life and stuff like that. You know, and obviously, if you get it, you know. You hear a good song, it makes you feel good, right? 
uh, so song, music does like it moves your soul and stuff like that. But at the same time, there's definitely something wrong with the music industry if they're trafficking children and all that type of stuff. So. Yeah, don't ruin it for me, man. That's like once I hit 30 minutes, music's the only way I run for another 15 or 20. <laughs> 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 all right, restaurant review. This week we went to the uh, Parkway Bar and Grill off of. Good trail and like C470, or is that E470 there? I call it Gar Trail, Gar but yes, off of E470. E470, okay. All right. Um, pulling up into the parking lot, uh, I think maybe because of the snow and stuff like that, it didn't seem like the parking lot was very big. So I think you had to kind of search for a spot to park. Uh, but then again, we've been getting a lot of snow. So, you know, there's a few parking spots I've probably taken up by the snow drifts and stuff like that from the uh, uh, the people who uh, sh- uh, plow the, the parking lots. You walk in. Um, <laughs> it gives you kind of like the bar pub type of like feel. Um, they have a bunch of like unique posters up on the wall. They had like the Sopranos up there, which I thought was kind of cool. In the men's lot, uh, the men's restroom, they had Anna Kornikova posters, which you know that's kind of cool too if you're a guy. Yeah, I found uh, myself dropping my pants to go to the bathroom. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> like vigilante, you can't piss and if something's touching his ass. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't know, I'm not actually saying that that happened. It's part of the smarter challenge. <laughs> I probably should have clarified that beforehand. Everyone's like, this guy's got a problem. <laughs> uh, they had some, like, when you first walk in, they're, you know, to the left, they have some high tops and then another back room, which had some uh, billiard tables. To the right, they had, like, sit down area, and then you could see the bar, like, right in the middle. Um, the one weird thing I saw though, or I didn't really like, and maybe it was, maybe it had a different setup before, uh, before COVID, but they have some of these, like, you know, like those crane, uh, type of like games or whatever, uh, where people claws, claws, claw games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where people spend like a ton of money and they don't win anything because like <laughs> whatever, but they had like right next to the tables and there was one like right next to our table and um, it didn't really look like it belonged right there uh, at least not anymore. Um, the uh, Dwight staff, I guess, our waitress, uh, she I thought she did a fairly good job. Um, she was very prompt in pretty much getting our drinks. Uh, getting our food. The one thing, and I think you mentioned this, um, is she seemed a little bit disingenuous when she was dropping off the checks. Uh, as far as the food go, food, the food, um, you know, the food was decent, not great. Uh, once again, this probably could be simply because of what I ordered. Um, I did go with a uh, Italian sausage sandwich with some tater tots. And it had the you know the Italian sausage with marinara, and melted mozzarella, and then it was on a hoagie, a toasted hoagie. Um, the tots were great. I really liked the tots. The uh, the Italian sausage sandwich. The plate was so hot, and the way they kind of had the hoagie, <laughs> um, you couldn't really grab it very well. 
And then by the time it kind of cooled off, the hoagie got so like Ooh. soggy wet and it really didn't taste all that great. Um, I mean, the flavors were there and stuff like that, but um, I had to get rid of like most of the bread because most of it was soggy. Um, so the food, I'm going to give it a seven. And the seven is more based upon the potential because there's a lot of good looking things on the menu. And I think I, I just ordered wrong. Um, the wait, the wait, the waitress. I'm gonna give a seven because uh, I thought for the most part she did a pretty good job, and I really did like the decor and the atmosphere in the place. Although it seemed like it was like a little bit older, an older older group, maybe like 45 and older, um, that were in there. Um, so it was busy but not hopping, and uh, so I'm just gonna give it seven straight across the board. All right. Well, much like yourself, I found the parking lot interesting because when I drove up, I thought there were a bunch of abandoned establishments next to the restaurant. And so I parked a, a little ways down and didn't realize that the restaurant actually consumed that whole space because it is three rooms and a bar. Uh, so with Parkway Bar and Grill, I... When we walked in, I actually, the highest rating this place, it's not a fast food chain. It's not a high-end establishment. It's part of that middle range group. And I actually, its highest rating to me goes for the atmosphere. It's crazy because it had music that wasn't too loud, but I still liked what they were playing. Um, nothing really shined out or anything. But it, again, you know, it's a Monday evening. It was five o'clock. And... Um, the the environment was great. I thought it would be a great place to go and meet somebody to have a conversation, do a lot of things. The wait staff, um, I get, at, at the beginning, prompt, attentive. But at the end, man, when she was disingenuine, when dropping off the checks, more importantly, when she's like, have a good day, when she took them away um, right away, it's just like, yeah, you too. Like, I've seen that face again. It's on every cheerleader after they just finished the competition. They're waiting for their score. <laughs> uh, and it's and I get it, but it was disingenuine. And, and at the end of the day, don't say have a nice day. If you don't mean it, say thanks. I had the golfer sampler. This thing was loaded with food. So it had hot wings, onion rings, chili ribs. They were the win, by the way. Fried pickles and potato skins. Uh, the drink selection was pretty decent, both beers and hard liquor, uh, as well as mixed drinks. Um, I, I do have to say, though... The ribs were the win, and their wings were so bad in comparison that that was the point where I couldn't finish my plate. Everything was good. The onion rings were great. The potato skins were fantastic. The real cheese, stringy, melty, uh, was dynamite. But the wings were so bad that once I had a couple wings and half of a couple of the wings on the plate, I couldn't finish the rest of the plate. It just ruined it for me. And I that would be like the, the downside. So for me, environment is a nine, wait staff is an eight. Um, the food with mixed bag, again, maybe I had the wrong things too. A seven. So for me, overall, it's going to be... I'm going to actually leave the score overall as a seven, just like you did. Um, because I think an eight would be placing it in company of some other places who had done a better job. Would I take a date there? 
Yeah, actually, I would just because. Uh, so would I. So would I, I. I thought the environment was great, um, but like the, when we talk about the waitstaff, there were a little, a few detractors. So there was a guy clearing <laughs> off the table behind us who was all pissed off and throwing around napkins because somebody put them in the glass trying to clean up the table for him. And I'm like, all right, this guy's having an issue, and no one's like, is that guy talking to himself? I'm like, he's doing more than talking to himself; he's complaining to himself. <laughs> Um, so there were a few detractors, but beyond that, I think I thought the environment was great. So I'd meet a friend there. I would take a date there. Um, the, the tragedy is that the score only comes from either we got the wrong food or we got the wrong server. Yeah, and it could be a little bit of both. And it definitely does have potential to get into that eight realm. Um, it is an inter- interesting group of people that were there, though. Because uh, we had one guy who looked like Groucho Marx with like these like <laughs> super thick dark like eyebrows. It looked like he like looked like it was like Velcro that he cut into like the shape of Strips eyebrows and put them onto his forehead. Uh, it is date. She had no eyebrows. Yeah, she had like no eyebrows, and he had like a big, huge, bushy like mustache to go along with those. And it definitely looked like he probably used like some kind of like hair dye or something. If, if Dude, they were hair. pitch black. <laughs> And then another table right next to us, there's like I look like a mom with two da- two daughters, and one daughter had like the like the little floater arm things on on her arms, and she's like probably like look like she's like late teens, early twenties. So there's uh, some unique people that were in the place, uh, but like you said, I would take a first date there. I would you know, and I meet some friends there. Um, I bet you it might be even a fun place to even rent out that back room where the billiards are. Um, for an event or even watch like a you know watch a game there with a with a buddy uh this week's smart challenge is a tv review of the peacemaker so for those of you who don't know uh the show it's on uh, hbo max and uh peacemaker is a Spinoff TV series from the uh, movie uh, Suicide Squad, uh, the second Suicide Squad movie, not the first one, uh, and it uh, has to do with one of the uh, characters from the Suicide Squad, which is Peacemaker, played by John Cena. Uh, and sorry if I mispronounced the last name. <laughs> and the funny part is, I don't really like him as an actor, but I do definitely think he found his niche in uh, not only uh, in this TV series, but also in this. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the Amazon Prime movie called uh, Vacation Friends. Dude, that is the only reason I even watch the show, honestly. Because <laughs> I'm like, this guy, no. And then after watching that, I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he plays like the really like uh, dumb, meathead, muscle-bound guy uh, really well. And uh, and Peacemaker is... Uh, it's a, it's The TV series is way better and his character in the movie Suicide Squad. It's a different character, I feel. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> so um, I think part of this, too, has to go with the fact that uh, the director of this show, of this uh, TV series is James Gunn. Yes. And James Gunn, uh, although he's had some, like, uh, shady acquisition, uh, um, accusations accusations uh, against him uh, but he did a really great job with um, uh, stuff like uh, 
the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Suicide Squad, and Slither. Slither. <laughs> he's been he's he's directed some other other shows, but I don't know those ones as well. Um, but he has a you know like in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and in uh, this TV series, I think it really kind of displays his sense of humor, and it's pretty funny. Um, a little dark, but definitely funny. <laughs> yeah. So, Peacemaker, he's uh, after <laughs> killing. Uh, <laughs> so, just kind of line this uh, series up here. Uh, basically, Peacemaker is um, obviously he's been in jail uh, in the in that prison there. That uh, uh, what's her name? The black lady uh, that's in the other movies, Suicide Squad and stuff. Uh, I don't. Uh, I just I had it and I forgot it. Anyways, uh, oh Amanda Waller. There you go, Waller. So Waller is in charge of uh, Task Force X or something like that. And um, so she allows Peacemaker to kind of go uh, out into this. Uh, he's in the hospital <laughs> from after fighting the big starfish uh, from Suicide Squad. And he doesn't realize that uh, he's free and everything like that. So it was kind of funny because the, the first episode, he's like talking to the like janitor or whatever who actually like smoked some pot with him <laughs> and he's like is anyone around anyone around and he like walks out of the hospital thinking he's like totally like scot-free and everyone forgot about him or whatnot any case uh <laughs> pot makes people do that <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it kind of shows like a new aspect of his character i don't know really i, I had no like real design plan of where to go with this so do, do you have a thought here here's what i will say let me um, backtrack just a hair. Okay, please do. Uh, pick up my trash here, please. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. You've you kind of nailed it. Honestly, you talked about Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad, which was, I believe, a great movie. The second Suicide Squad, I struggled a little bit with because the characters didn't have the same impact in that movie, and his was one of them, Peacemakers. So that was my my hesitation, if you will, to see the Peacemaker TV series on HBO Max. Is like, man, I didn't like the movie, let alone his character. How is this going to pay? out but we talk about he goes to prison and then 10 years later he's out so to speak and you get to learn a little bit more of his backstory and then you get to experience <laughs> some of his adventures and what i have to say and i love to say this and i hate to say this is and i'm not saying all men i'm not even gonna say most men but men want most of his experiences whether or not they'll admit it or ever put forth an effort to go and have them and they're not good experiences like they start out great but they end up in a tragic series of events or a series of tragic events and at the end he is the victor though and they're that's what men want men want an experience and then to win and the win can come in many different ways oh it felt great or whatever that may be and if you guys have seen the show and you're thinking about the first couple episodes you know what felt great so <laughs> with that it's real um but i will never forget and i i i believe it's episode one where he goes into a bar after he's met his new team and he's got uh 
I, I actually think Jennifer Holland's character, Amelia Harcourt, is my favorite in the show. But he meets her and he's like, oh, hey, what are the chances we met at the same bar? And she's like, I've been watching you follow me for like 12 blocks. And he's like, well, you know, and she's like, if I wanted to have a drink with someone, I wouldn't have fucking come here. Get the fuck away from me. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I just thought you might be interested. And she's like, interested in what? And he's like, well, you know, I haven't had sex in like 10 years. He's like, and then he, he corrects himself, well, with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and again, no man wants that experience. Well, not every man wants that experience. No, but at the same time, he survived it. And that's the experience people want. So I, I thought it was a great start. And then to find out who his father is, um, played by Robert Patrick, oh, dynamite again. Like, no wonder this guy is so messed up. And then, dude, it is also funny, though. It's it's ironic through and through each and every episode. One episode, he's introducing his eagle to his team and they're like who's that and he's like that's eagly and they're like are you kidding me and then they all start making fun of did you call your dog doggly and your cat cattily and they use other examples but he ultimately charges back at each and every one of them with a comment in defense and then they all get like butt hurt and it's interesting because i think that's real when people can team up against a person or a force everything's good but the second that that force overpowers them with an edge a wall a strength that they don't understand or comprehend it becomes ugly um, and i loved that because i think that's real in life i think there were a lot of real life lessons um, that james gunn puts into these shows yeah, I would agree with that. So his team, right? Uh, I guess we should kind of talk about this too. So his team is consisted of uh, Amanda Waller's daughter, which is... Uh, we should, by the way, you're right, fix this so that people don't think I was just taking down my pants in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leona Abibayo or something like that. I forget it. That's it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Vigil Ante. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is the guy I was making fun uh, of. <laughs> who's, uh, he's either known as Vigil Ante when he's in his costume, otherwise he's known as Adrian. Uh, you already talked about uh, Hardcore. And then we have Economos. Okay, so Economos, <laughs> right? <laughs> Economos is like the super like techie nerd guy. Total nerd. Uh, total beta type guy who you would see, uh, you know, hanging out in a mom's basement, uh, overweight, glasses, all that type of stuff. And, you know, and you would not expect him to be like some special ops guy unless he's doing like tech work. Um, but he was also in the second Suicide Squad movie, one of the people who uh, stood up against Amanda Waller uh, when uh, Task Force X wanted to go stop the, the walking starfish. Same with, with Harcourt, Amelia Harcourt. Amelia Harcourt is also actually in Black Adam as well. Uh, that's what we learned. Uh, and she's like a total badass chick, uh, kicks ass. Um Although once you get past her like hard shell, she's like a total softy. She's brains and brawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we have Adrian, who's uh, as vigil anti. He <laughs> is. He is. I guess you could say probably 
either a close friend or maybe best friends with Peacemaker, right? Yeah. Uh, but Peacemaker will never acknowledge that he is his best friend. Or his sidekick. Or his sidekick. He's like the non-immortal version of Deadpool <laughs> as far as comedy is concerned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy like does it like and he he has a and his like normal everyday life he's a uh, bus boy at a <laughs> at a restaurant who seems like he might be like not fully there. I'm not going to say he's mentally challenged, but he might be mentally challenged. Uh, but he definitely likes to blow up shit and shoot stuff. And uh, he has like a really great sense of humor about killing things. <laughs> like there's like, He's super positive. And what I don't like about everything you're saying is I'm like, dude, is this me? <laughs> <laughs> like everything's going to be fine. We just blew up a, a cow. <laughs> So, but I really do like Vigilante's like character. Uh, definitely not my favorite character, but he, I do like his character a lot. Uh, and he does some like really dumb things. But uh, and then there's also uh, the daughter, right? Amanda Waller's daughter, who I'm not going to try to say the last name again. Um, she's probably my least favorite character. Who I get it's kind of weird at the end though because. Uh, Peacemaker says that's his new BFF outside of Eagly. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave out Eagly. <laughs> and then, you know, we also have to give a shout out to the dad, right? Which is, uh, you said Robert. Uh, Patrick. Patrick. Yes. Uh, he plays. Augie Smith. <laughs> he plays Augie Smith. And he plays a really good uh, white trash <laughs> type of. Uh, white supremacist type of guy uh, and his character is known as the white dragon yeah he's like the Aryan nation leader <laughs> right <laughs> totally opposite of like peacemaker <laughs> peacemaker but is it so here's like another little sidestep which is <laughs> oh you're you're that racist superhero <laughs> yeah they, everyone thinks peacemaker's racist and i'm like but is he? Well, let's just stop here because he says, you know, some things after you find out this is his upbringing or what? This, well, this is his MO. This is his like code. Here is Peacemaker's code. Peacemaker is a man who fights for peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. And it's just like, all right. And they're like, well, then why do you kill more black people than white people? And he's like, well, more black people were stealing stuff. <laughs> and they're like, that's racist. And he's like, that's what I saw. <laughs> and it's just this tragic series of events where you can literally flip a coin or play on the roulette table as I have in Vegas and lose by betting on red 13 times in a row because after the 12th time it went black, it goes green. <laughs> It is funny though because I guess if you do start looking at statistics, right? There's one group that probably like has higher crime rates than another group. Well, particularly depending on where you live. If ninety nine percent of the population is one ethnicity and one percent of the population is another, no matter how many of the one percent do crimes, the ninety nine percent is going to have more crimes. So it's kind of funny because, like, to him, like he lives, he's like a trailer trash guy because he lives in a trailer, and. uh <clears throat> You know, he's just, you know, to him, he's thinking like he's just stopping crime and he's killing whoever. And he explains that, that his creed or whatever his motto is to somebody. And, they, and the guy's like, oh, so you're that racist superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> I, I 
think it, the tragedy <laughs> is that's where a lot of people go with that. And it has nothing to do with racism, <laughs> tragically, uh, because he is not his father, even though there are certain things that definitely do apply to his father. But let's not, like, not give Robert Patrick's character, Augie Smith, some credit. This guy is not just a villain or uh, a super racist. He is, like, a evil genius <laughs> he's got his own meta closet <laughs> where it opens up and there is just a football field arena of weapons and tools and armor and cool stuff talking about weapons and armor <laughs> and stuff like that his helmets oh my goodness so peacemaker has like a bunch of different helmets that his dad created one of the helmets it was like gave people disease was uh, it syphilis or something like yeah, that? yeah like gonorrhea i Gun think okay. <laughs> Like, who's going to make that? <laughs> yeah, that's where this is evil genius. Like, he's like, let's face it. There are a lot of political <laughs> back and sidelines in this. And who else gave a group of individuals a STD as a vaccine? <laughs> right. So... <laughs> So there, I mean, if you're if you're looking for something that's not very politically correct, this is a good this is a good TV series to watch. Is that all that PC? And then here, like one oh, of one God. of my favorite one of my favorite helmets has to be this is from episode one too. Dude, is the Sonic Boom uh, helmet? Sonic Boom. <laughs> so if you seen, so he uh, gets out of jail. He goes to the bar like Jesse talks about, right? And also, since he doesn't hook up with Harcourt, he does find another woman there who happens to be controlled by an alien. We find this out later. And when uh, the alien woman, after he's done doing his thing with, with her or it or whatever, uh, starts attacking does him. Does this feel good? Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, then it starts to attack him and he uses a sonic boom. So he just got done, like, they just got done their, doing their whole romance thing. She's in her undies. He's in his undies. And he's, like, uh, she, like, he basically, like, runs or jumps out of the uh, the apartment, like, three floors she's up. She's kicking his ass left yeah. and right. <laughs> she, she, she's, like, tossing him through windows and stuff. Like, she's bare-chested in panties or whatever, like, tossing him through windows. And she was, like, 85 and, pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for him to get away from her, he jumps out the window from a three-story building and lands on the ground. And uh, he like uh, at the very beginning, he like broke his uh, his shoulder or clavicle or whatever. So they told him like he has to like stay off of it and stuff, not do anything with it. And the, what does he do? He jumps out of the window, lands uh, on it, lands on it, <laughs> <laughs> gets to his car, and then she's chasing him. And as she's jumping at him to go like hit him or something, he does the whole sonic boom and basically just like evaporates her. Like she's like like little body parts all over the place, destroys the parking lot, all the cars it in and everything. It was it's a pretty hilarious scene. It's hilarious because as the sonic boom hits her, she basically becomes skin, but then the skin becomes chunks of skin. And later on in episode two the detectives are there searching the site and there's some stupid police officers just like what the hell was this a piece of, a piece of uh, jerky or something and the detectives like i think that's a face <laughs> <laughs> and she was right by the way <laughs> <laughs> all right so what's your favorite vigil anti scene man this is interesting 
This is a tough one, actually. Because I really love the inappropriate scenes. <laughs> Ooh. You go first. I'm going to need to think about this for a second. I should have thought about that. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes with Vigil Ante is he gets uh, manipulated by Waller's uh, daughter at the uh, prison. And so he's going to go, so he basically goes and beats the, he like tosses a trash can into like the uh, police station's window, breaks the window. So that way he can get into the jailhouse to uh, kill um, Augie Smith, which is uh, Peacemaker's dad. And so the way he starts off the whole like fight, I think is pretty hilarious. But I'm not going to quote any of the things that he said there because it's probably not the best thing to quote. <laughs> Because it's totally inappropriate. So that'd be one of my favorites there. And then my other favorite is when he's complaining. Like he's talking about like right before they go into this like, uh, I guess milk factory or whatever. He t He's like, he's talking about, he pulls out a chainsaw and starts revving it up. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to kill somebody with this chainsaw. And then Harcourt's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. You got to put that down. <laughs> and then at the end of that episode, he's like, man, how come this other guy got to kill somebody with a chainsaw and I didn't? I think that's like kind of like that whole kind of like storyline right there is like one of my favorites of his. This is tragically simple for my favorite scene because it's actually the, the final scene of the series for episode or season one. And that is when he's sitting there at his ghetto ass trailer and he's hanging out with Eagly, and he's just enjoying a simple life. And I think that's what... Wait for Vigilante? For, for um, John Cena. Oh, yeah, for, I was asking, like, what your favorite team was for Vigilante. Oh, for Vigilante? Oh, sorry, I thought you were saying for Peacemaker. Oh, Vigilante, dude, totally my favorite scene for Vigilante is literally the one in the bathroom where he's, like, <laughs> got his pants down. And I'm just, because I don't know who doesn't think this. Like, are you kidding me? He drops his pants to the floor. He's basically naked using the urinal, and they're all like, what the hell is this? He's like, I can't pee with any. I can't go to the bathroom without anything touching my butt. <laughs> And, I mean, I love that scene. The other scene I love is when he's really going to town. They're driving in the back of that uh, van truck, whatever you want to call it, and they're just going back and forth. But Vigilante, again, like sometimes I'm like, I deal with the worst situations way too positively. And so watching the show, I'm like, dude, am I Vigilante? Am I the the <laughs> the slow guy in the back of the truck who's like, yeah, I just got shot. Look, everything's fine. <laughs> no, 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 everything's not fine from the outside, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> the peaky toe is the most important toe. <laughs> Dude, and it really is. Everyone always talks shit about that, but the pinky toe is the most important. You used to go half your pinky toe. Guess what that's worth in an insurance lawsuit? A lot. More than the whole big toe. <laughs> I'd give up a big toe over a pinky toe any day. All right. Uh, now we'll do our favorite, our favorite two scenes, if you want to do two scenes, but at least one favorite scene. My favorite scene happens to be when Economos, this guy has like the total super knack. He's like I said, he's like total nerd. Uh, <laughs> doesn't look like he belongs on any on any uh, 
super agent teams or anything like that. But yet he seems to do the most killing. He really does. He's he is there when he's needed, and I'm glad you brought that up because it plays into my second favorite scene. So my first favorite scene is when he actually like pops out of nowhere with the chainsaw and chops up this like monkey, like because like this uh, gorilla, it was a damn, it was, yeah, like a this, silverback gorilla, like a, not only a silverback gorilla, but like a super because it's like taken over by the alien. By an so it's like a super uh, silverback gorilla who's like beating the crap out of the whole team. And then Economos just pops out of nowhere and has the chainsaw. <laughs> like and you see, like uh, the chainsaw poke through the the abdomen of this uh, gorilla, with blood spurting out all over, over the place, all over the place. And then my that's that's number one. And then uh, oh my my second favorite is when uh, there's the human torpedo helmet, and uh, Waller's daughter is wearing the human torpedo <laughs> torpedo helmet, and. She ends up, they end up doing the human torpedo with her twice. Uh, the second time she goes into like what's called the cow or whatever, which would be disgusting and awful. But that's not like my favorite part though, because she goes to save John Cena and she says human torpedo and she like misses everybody and slams right into the, into the rock wall. <laughs> it basically knocks herself out. I, I don't know why, but I thought that, that, that scene was hilarious. I'm not going after like my favorite scenes being the most hilarious. Um, my second, and we I already touched base on my first one, being that John Cena is sitting there with Eagly at the end and just enjoying life. I think that's what any like actual real man wants in life is to have those peaceful times. Because life, whether you're a teacher or you work anywhere, or especially if you're a public servant, Life is a battle, and he was having this moment of peace. My second favorite, and this is actually really close to my first favorite, you touched base on this in episode one after he hooks up with the alien-infested chick in the bar, and he gets into trouble, and all of a sudden they find out all of the police, the special forces are, are converging on this hotel or apartment <laughs> or whatever he's staying in you know who it is that is called in that ultimately saves his butt it is emilia harcourt and there's something about that scene where of all the whole series if there was one person i could be that would be the one that was there that had my partner's back where okay this guy's been in prison for 10 years. He's a moron. He hooked up with some crazy chicken in a bar. I'm getting called because I need to go save his ass. And she is the one who does that. And she leads them all. She's not always the one who makes the killer blow. You know, you got the, the computer nerve for that. Um, but she is the one who always groups them together and takes the immediate first action. She doesn't hesitate. There, it, There's no freezing. And there's something very respectable about that character strength to me. The one character I think we forgot to talk about or mention at all uh -oh. is the green ninja guy. Oh my God. That guy was <laughs> just, ultimately he's just irritating because he's such a badass. 
<laughs> right? He really is. And you just want him to go away, but he won't. He just <laughs> keeps coming back. <laughs> He's so annoying. <laughs> he is. They drug him to the nth degree, and somehow he gets over the drugs. <laughs> He's like, I'm free now. I'm going to kick some butt. <laughs> and he's always eating potato chips. That part I liked. <laughs> <laughs> the part I like. The part I like with him is how he beats up the two guys that were punks. So like, as, like as he's standing outside the convenience store. Oh yeah. And the convenience store guy gives him like a thumbs up after he kicks her ass <laughs> and just steals the car. <laughs> yeah, everything you got to understand about the screen ninja, he's three feet tall. <laughs> if you haven't recently watched Ninja Through the Domination like we have, you may not get the, the humility in that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, I know we bounced uh, all over the place about the, uh, about this series here, but overall, I do think it's a great series. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend watching it. You may want to watch the... Uh, uh, the second, uh, well, probably both Suicide Squads, because you'll probably want to watch the first Suicide Squad so you can understand what's happening in the second Suicide Squad a little bit with some of the characters. But ultimately, uh, to watch Peacemaker, you don't need to watch the second uh, Suicide Squad, but it probably helps so that way you can see John Cena's character throughout the whole platform, the whole arc of it of his character. But his character, for me, is most enjoyable in the TV series. And overall, even though I'm not a big fan of his as far as most of his acting career, but this series and uh, and Vacation Friends, I think he does a, a, a darn good job. It, I think it's a total home run for him, and I do recommend the series. It is very interesting. And another thing I want to um, point out about that, and you mentioned James Gunn and his role in this, is James Gunn actually has a very big role right now in the DC Universe. And with that, you also mentioned Black Adam. Uh, and as the DC Universe is trying to plan out the next 10 years, as Marvel did decades before DC started to get their act together, um, which is why Marvel kind of won the whole battle initially um now you've got black adam you've got the peacemaker you've got these new characters and one of the things you can't deny is we see trends we see cycles whether it's global warming which has happened before uh, when we didn't apparently have cars and automobiles on this planet creating <laughs> toxic gases um but it's happened before and the same thing has come with what is and i'm going to use the the word sexy now and with that we go through okay so we want the slim little uh vampire um from breaking dawn to oh no i want the big bulky man arnold schwarzenegger and i think we're getting close to the next period where i'm um, going away from the slim little crackhead to the bulky steroid user is becoming sexy again and you again you've got the Peacemaker, Black Adam. I think DC's got some other things in the works and James Gunn is a big piece of that. It will be very interesting. I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, was not super um, excited to see this series and afterwards I'm like, man, that was easily a 9 out of 10 if not higher. This was a win. I greatly enjoyed it and I will re-watch the whole series 
because I think I just think there's realities. As you get a little bit wiser, it doesn't have to be older. As you get a little bit wiser, you realize, hey, we all have quirks. We all do funky things. Sometimes we start fires in the kitchen or on the grill out back or whatever it may be, uh, but we blow shit up. And they do that a lot in the movies. And our version may not be as exciting as the Peacemakers, but we all get a chance to live in that moment and be like, man, I really messed up, but we won at the end. Dinner was great. Whatever that may be, um, just do that. Like really take the time and live in the moment. And at the end of the day, remember, you're still there. You're still fighting. You're still kicking. May not have been the easiest day, but you won. Also, I think the other a good point here to like that, that was a great finish. But surround yourself with good people, though, too, because at the end he does have a good team. He does, and what is beautiful about that is from the outside, everyone would misjudge them. No one would pick any of those fools <laughs> to be on their team based on what you knew at the beginning uh, and maybe at the end, but that means you have to put a ton of prejudices aside. All right. Um, what is our uh, next scotch and our next topic? All right. So we are, man, next, next episode, 100. episode is 100. So I figured we got to go a little big. Not a lot of big, but a little big. Um, and it's a two-part topic. Uh-oh. The first one. I might have to write this down. I've got it again. written down so you can just read the bottom of my notes here. The, the, the first part of the topic is to decant or not decant? That is the question. We're using Shakespeare's line to figure out what liquors should you decant or not decant is it's is it wise to decant a scotch or is it wise to decant a wine or what should you or should you not decant so we'll do our own beer you do not decant beer <laughs> yeah right <laughs> wine you probably do decant wine but that's only if it's a good wine or else you might not want the flavor to come out so that's part that's part a that's the the quick little piece this is episode 100 again so the the smarter challenge is and i think it's eight thirty. 30 minute episodes so about four hours it's a uh, tv series called the queen's gambit oh the uh chess game the chess yes. oh, okay the lady from the movie the menu okay yeah so it's funny you mentioned that because i had just <laughs> started uh well i watched like half the first episode like last week perfect because i think later episodes down we will Maybe we'll even do it on the next one. Play a game of chess while we're playing, we're talking on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but for the scotch, we are going to do last year's version. Oh, no. The special release from 2021, the Lagavulin 12-year-old, the Leo, the lion. The first big scotch of this, of this uh, new year, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've all, you can't go wrong with that. No, I mean, this is a great one. Yeah, this is great. I think, I mean, we've had a, we've had a pretty good role basically going from Thanksgiving until now. But uh, yeah, this is, I think this is the first big hitter here out of, uh, for this year. Price wise, I think. Could be wrong. I don't remember what, I don't remember what these were. Dude, they're going. I don't know why they're so much more expensive, but they are. It's special release. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> it's all in the name. <laughs> It really is, but it's a do this. Look at that! If you can't see that, that is a kick-ass canister. That is a kick-ass canister. It almost be like a cool line if you're a Leo to get that tattooed That's on what you. I'm talking about 
with that flaming mane. <laughs> yeah. And this one they literally label as their fiercest and smokiest scotch. That could be bad, too. It could be good. <laughs> We're going to find out. I think it would be great. <laughs> Probably more than 50 parts per million. <laughs> so this is it's another Isla, right? right? Yes. Like, we Isla, right? Okay. Uh, and not only is it another Isla, but we're going to jump from 46% ABV to 565 <laughs> All right. Ten and a half percent. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I'm guessing that's pretty much, that's about as close to cast strength as you get without just being cask strength. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, for everyone who uh, watches us on YouTube and Rumble, thank you once again for watching us on those platforms. Uh, thank you to the people who do leave those comments as well. Uh, for those of you who listen to us on any one of our audio platforms for podcasts, thank you for listening to us. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Please uh, make sure you leave us some comments uh, or suggestions in the comment area. And uh, please like, and share, and subscribe. Um, with that, uh, I'll pass it along to you, Jesse. To yeah, us out. and Noah pointed out that we did have someone leave a message asking about a pointing scale on the scotch. And I think that that's a great idea. So next week, we're going to roll one out. Uh-oh. We got to come up with a point scale. <laughs> Dude, I've already got it. It was simple. It's not overcomplicating it. But what you have to do is let us know if you like it afterwards. Because it's going to be pretty drastic. We're going to go after our big hitters here. Color, nose, palette, finish. And we're going to go, we'll weigh their values differently. But ultimately, it's a 100-point scale. And if we hate one piece of it, that can drop the score 20 to 25 points. Ooh, now we're getting really serious into our stuff here. Huh? It's going to get interesting. All of a sudden, we're going to have like 93-rated Dalmores that were like, it was an 80. <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> so please remember drink responsibly life is great it's a new year um it's not always easy make sure you take some time uh talk with friends enjoy a little bit of life relax watch some silly tv shows uh like the peacemaker that uh it, it, i watched it with noah and you can ask him uh, he was there the whole time. I'm like, what the am I watching? <laughs> and at the end, I'm like, I am so glad I watched that. So sometimes those things are necessary. If you're watching season 12 or whatever it is of some show <laughs> that is based out of Canada and a bunch of people living in a trailer park, maybe you shouldn't be watching that. <laughs> I don't know. But Peacemaker season one was worth it. So with that, please continue to give feedback. Uh, we will and do appreciate it. And other than that... Scotchman! Cheers! We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.